Welcome to another episode of Pacino Pod. I'm Callie, and join with me as always is my my beautiful co-host Jane. Thank you. You're very beautiful too, Callie. A lovely librarian seductress. <laughs> I don't know. Yes, that's what they call me. I'm oozing sex appeal as a librarian. You're like the Dracula, <laughs> the Dracula sexy roommates. <laughs> yes, I'm Dracula. Se- that that's what they call me. That's that's. You know, I float into the room ready to bear it all. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, we're high and we're here to talk to you about the 2014 movie The Humbling, which God forbid anyone think or watch this movie and not be high. Yeah, I watched it sober and I was quite humbled. By it. <laughs> uh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I should go back through whenever i watched it and was texting you because it's been a while since we yeah we watched it like about a week apart from each other i think and I, i'm kind of glad because callie warned me and i, I was I, able like, to do a lot of trigger warnings really for you. actually like when you were like warning me of stuff i was like oh i bet it's not that bad and then when you get to those scenes like it was like wait oh no this is fucking bad <laughs> this like as soon as that ha- that's like specific one which we'll talk about i'm sure of it like eventually it was like pretty fucking jarring <laughs> to me <laughs> yeah i mean what the initial trigger warning yeah the very the <clears throat> yeah so yeah. i guess i'll just kind of say them now in a vague way so if you want to jump ship off this episode you totally can although we're not going to go into details about any no. of the like there really isn't a need to in either it's like yeah so like there's like a story and I mean, honestly, that's all we need to say about it. A woman goes into a story about, like, her child being uh, assaulted by her father, and obviously that sucks. And then there's a lot of transphobia, there's a lot of turf lesbianism, and suicide. So um, there's just a lot going on in this movie. Not all at once, but, you know, it does pepper in these very jarring things. And so I... I was glad that I watched this before you because I think going into it knowing that that stuff was going to pop up probably was nice. Yeah. Certainly while watching it, I was like, what the fuck? I think if I had come into this completely blind, I would have probably been even more angry than I was when I watched it, knowing that certain things were going to be in it. Because, yeah, it's, it's a lot of really bad shit dumped into a film that like isn't equipped to handle any of that stuff (laughs) right and i guess philip roth is kind of known for having stories like this he's the author of the book that it's based on and apparently he's known for kind of like kafka Kafka kafka-esque shit what 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 was what are some of do you know what his like more famous novels are i know the name like his like Going into, I see heard of his name before, but I don't know if I'm like familiar with any of his books. He wrote Goodbye Columbus, American Pastoral, The Human Stain. Yeah, none of these are ringing any bells for me, unfortunately. I Married a Communist. That sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> Why couldn't he have adapted that one? <laughs> He's written quite a few novels, but um, 
One is even called The Great American Novel. That's funny. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm not really familiar with him. My roommate and coworker Cam, whenever I mentioned this, he seemed to recognize the author's name. He used to work at the library, and I was like, oh, it's like based on a Philip Roth novel. And he went, oh, okay. And so I was like, all right. So, so that means something then. But it basically opens up on Pacino. You guessed it, he's an aging actor. He's, he re- he's really stretching himself in this <laughs> film. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and we kind of have that trope again of a man who's struggling with reality and whether he's dreaming or like having delusions maybe he's there's talk of dementia in this movie and it's kind of got that same it kind of gave me insomnia vibes really just that he he you know never really knowing if you're awake or asleep and like that makes sense sort of thing because at the beginning he's like getting ready in the green room for a play and then he like accidentally goes outside and he's running around and no one will let him in and it's this like horrifying scenario and then he kind of wakes up and it wasn't real but he didn't even seem to really be asleep and then later after he he <laughs> i thought this was really funny that he <laughs> quote unquote tries to kill himself like hemingway which is that he tried to do it with a shotgun and then he he doesn't do it because his arms are too short. He's like, oh, Hemingway must have had longer arms. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> I just thought that was like really charming. A, a lot of this movie is really funny, but it just is so ingrained with all of this other stuff. And I, I do think that like it's worth noting that like the transphobic character is shown to be the the wrong, like, she's in the wrong. Like, yeah, the, like, the movie doesn't really, like, shy away from being like, no, this person sucks. <laughs> but, like, that doesn't really stop it from still weighing the movie down a ton. It, it, yeah, I mean, like, Greta Gerwig's character in this is, like, clearly a shitty person. Um, Honestly, everybody, every person in this film is a shitty person. Like, I, think, I don't think, I think the only person who's, like, like, maybe some of the, like, like the maid is, is, is <laughs> fine. And the, and honestly, the guy that Greta Gerwig dumped, her ex, he seemed fine. But everyone else is just really shitty. And she herself is, like, supposed to be this, like, they even describe her in the, like, um, tagline as being amoral. Mm-hmm. or whatever and but i mean she she's someone who uh who basically kind of like tracked him down and had like a had a, had had a crush on him since she was like very young her she's the daughter of his friends and yeah she's which God, i don't know there's like i keep wanting to like i just keep remembering all these like weird ass <laughs> fucking parts and i'm like i don't want to jump to that straight right. away but it's just like yeah like her he he's friends with her parents and and she shows up at his house she's like i'm a lesbian and he's like okay and then she later like like 10 minutes later try to like seduces him and he's like i thought you were a lesbian and she's like i am he's like okay <laughs> yeah he has this great line where he's like i or uh he asks her if she's ever been with a man and she's like well not not for like 15 years and he 
he's like, well, I haven't been with a lesbian for 67 years. <laughs> I thought that was great. But yeah, she like comes to him at like this very vulnerable time for him because he he does have the suicide attempt and he goes to like a mental hospital and that's where he meets this woman who has this like really bad story about her husband and their daughter but then that turns in a weird way too because rather than it being about like her trauma and like getting over that and healing this woman is actually just trying to get him to kill her husband for her because she saw him play a character like that in a movie yeah because he like has killed people in movies so she's like oh so that'd be easy for you she's obviously also having issues with reality yeah like it's never like you're never even sure if the story that she's telling him actually happened or if it's just a delusion in her head so like you're like so you're never quite sure if like she like is even telling the truth about her husband or if this is just something that like a delusion that she had because like clearly like she is believes that al pacino has or his character i mean i don't remember what what his name is he's playing like a version of al pacino (laughs) though like like he's in she she his character's name is simon axler yeah simon axler there we go she saw him and she saw him in a movie and thinks that means that he has what it takes to to kill her husband the one funny thing about that though is when she does like because she she does eventually actually do it when the cops show up and and they're like questioning him about it he's like i he's like you know clearly like you know she kept stalking me and stuff and he was like well you know she says that you told her that to ask someone else he's like (laughs) well yeah but <laughs> so the cops are like clearly well clearly that kind of does not <laughs> yeah <laughs> I thought that and to game uh character is just like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so i think like an interesting part of this movie is that like pacino's character is just kind of like living out in the woods he has like a really nice house out in the woods and he most of the movie seems to just be trying to mind his own business and people just keep dropping in on him so First, it's Pegeen, who is Greta Gerwig. Horrible. What the fuck kind of name is that? <laughs> Sorry to any Pegeens out there. Please subscribe. <laughs> like, she shows up and she just kind of, like, drops in on his day. And, like, they have this day together. And then, like, a few times this character from the hospital drops in on him. And he's just like, how do people get out here? You know, it's, like, obvious that, like, Pacino needs some sort of, like, security detail at this point. But shortly after he starts hanging out with Pegeen, a woman shows up and he's been getting these, like, weird-ass phone calls and, like, uh, this woman is like, she'll she'll tear you limb from limb and she'll, like, drain your life force and she'll leave your rotting carcass. Like, I don't know. Not, that's not verbatim, but she's saying all this, yeah, like, crazy I mean, it, stuff. It, it, it's, it's not, yeah, it's, it, she may as well have been saying that. She's, like, saying that Pegeen is just, like, a leech and she takes what she wants from you and then leaves you. And so this woman shows up and Pacino goes out and confronts her, like, why are you out here? Why are you on my property? And she's like, I just needed to know, like, where... Pegeen was going when she left me and he was like oh I didn't really know it was like that you know I'm sorry and he invites her in and I thought that was very kind and stuff but then she starts going off like why so you can try and fuck me too because you just try to fuck lesbians and he's like whoa 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 like (laughs) you're the one who's trespassing I'm the one who's trying to be cool and give you a cup of tea he just gets into this like really awkward argument with this woman and that's like 
most of the movie too is him getting in these like awkward arguments where people just like do not see his point of view and are like determined to misunderstand him and so it's also a very frustrating movie because even if you like Pacino's character for whatever reasons you might find his point of view is really hard because no one will fucking listen to him ever and he's like just kind of getting like pushed around a lot by Greta Gerwig's character and she's really mean to him. <laughs> like the the second former partner drop in is when Prince. I'm sorry. His oh, na- his, his name was his Prince. name's Prince. Yeah. So yeah, Pacino is like looking out the windows and he sees like a man outside, and he's like, "Oh, I don't know who that is." And she's like, "Well, what if it was your gardener?" And he's like, "Well, it's a black man, and." my gardener isn't black and she's like well that's racist and he's like no i just don't have a black gardener and she's like what you wouldn't have a black gardener and he's like i'm not saying that i wouldn't i'm saying that i don't and i don't know who that guy is you know but she just like keeps being like Ugh. and they go out to meet this person and it's prince who is her ex who's like there's like this clear tension because you know piggy and like dead names prince and like only calls him by his old name and like they invite him in and then it's like so fucking bad from there because for some reason we're all just letting Pegeen go off about like how it affected her that her ex decided to transition so that was the other part that I was like oh shit because like I mean Pacino is sitting there in kind of like obvious disgust of (laughs) like what she's saying to her ex but and like I he like only refers by the correct pronouns and like does everything right seems to like care about this character so like another movie where Pacino is like (laughs) like a trans ally in this way like or at least you know his character but I mean not that he like really does anything for this person but you know he's respectful is what I'm trying to say but that scene was really fucking rough. Like, I was like, I want to punch her. <laughs> I When looking through the Letterboxd reviews, the one that stood out to me was, like, where they were like, well, fi- finally Greta Gerwig plays a lesbian, except she's a transphobic piece of shit. So it's, like, kind of like a monkey paw <laughs> situation <laughs> where you're like, <laughs> not only is she, like, a transphobic piece of shit, she spends the whole movie, like, fucking Al Pacino. <laughs> so it's like... <laughs> the one the one thing that like did bother me also i mean there's a lot of things that bother me about this film but like one of the things that bothered me with her character and also every character is just like once again not acknowledging that like bisexuality exists at all right like no one like no one even can like al but no one considers the possibility that like maybe she's just bi and she kind of like she leans more towards women and and Al Pacino. <laughs> <Same>. <laughs> That's the only relatable thing about her is that she's like gay except for Pacino. Yeah. <laughs> but that opens up that like other door, which is, and Pacino points out, he, like basically Pegin is like, yeah, like she decided she was going to become a man. Like, and I'm a lesbian. Pacino's like, I'm a man. <laughs> He's like, what do you mean you don't date men? Like, it, yeah. it's obvious that, that you do. It's just that you're transphobic, you know? And she has all these weird concepts of, like, like you know, like, obviously she's, like, anti-transition or something. Like, like part of 
Pagin like moving in and like getting more serious with Pacino is that she brings her cat over and her cat is who or she like had with Prince like they shared this cat and so like Prince like even comes back later do we respect him more do we understand him more no (laughs) like he's kind of just this like yeah very like subdued character and I felt like so bad about that like I really wanted Prince to yell at her at some point or get some sort of it's like why like why did we do this like it is it like only to show that she's such a bad person that she would like leave somebody that she obviously loved very much because because she does like i think i think what it's supposed to symbolize in much the same way of her like relationship with simon is that she has a specific idealized version of a person in her head and if that person doesn't match what she thinks if that however that person actually is if they don't match what she thinks then she like throws a fit and will leave that person Mm -hmm. because she obviously has this like overly romanticized idealized version of simon as this like powerful actor who's like lights up he like you know even when she first shows up she's like what happened to the simon with all the charisma who could dazzle a room and like when he's just kind of like uh this is you're in my house (laughs) (laughs) when you You just just come in and just be an asshole but you know like in much the same way like she like is not acknowledging that he's like very depressed that like he has just had a terrible accident on stage He's, like, clearly, like, has memory problems and is, like, not in any way, shape, or form should be, like, it's kind of elder abuse that <laughs> she's around him anyways, <laughs> if you think about it, but yeah. Yeah, it really is. She's so she, mean to him. She drains his she's funds. She, like, d- d- takes all his money. It, it's very, yeah. Oh, I wanted to talk to you about that, too, because, so there's all this weird gender stuff with her transphobia prince her not being okay with prince being a man pacino being like what about me then also when she shows up pagin is very like a flannel lesbian and then as she begins dating and living with pacino she starts dressing way more femme and it's commented on a lot like in the rest of the movie and i thought that was like just so interesting that she was like no like being a dyke good like transitioning bad i'm like but you're not like in any way like like a traditional woman or something it's like you needed pacino to buy you a dress and to tell you that you looked like a girl like or like there's all this stuff and like when her parents show up those are the the next people that show up is her fucking parents to yell at them both her parents are like wow you look like and then she finishes the sentence she's like what i look like a girl and I'm like, what is going on in this movie? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the parents is another thing. When they show Al Pacino accidentally uh, runs over the cat. So stressful. Oh, gosh. this is There's a lot of, like, parallels between this and Manglehorn that I'll get to in a, in a, in a bit. But, uh, yeah, he runs him over. They take him to the vet. Another thing is that, like, that, like, that, like, showcases the particular bikini doesn't give a shit about him is when she shows up with a giant suitcase and he tries to carry it and throws his back out um and she's just like okay and like doesn't really like try to help him or anything that comes back into play at the vet when he throws his back out again and they like really no one is concerned about him at all in any way shape or form 
and they're just the like that gives him like a horse the, yeah like horse tranquilizer and while he's like there like 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 stoned out of his mind can barely communicate her mom is just like laying into him and he's like oh. <laughs> like barely like obviously not comprehending anything that's being said <laughs> right now <laughs> yeah i thought that part was great because i'm like i know pacino's been here before he's like too high to yeah. deal <laughs> and he plays that very well that seems so frustrating because yeah i mean like i think it's like I don't know. I, I listen to, like, Endless Honeymoon, which is, like, a podcast uh, hosted by uh, Moshe Kasha and Natasha Legero, who are a married couple. And, like, a fight that they most recently had was uh, when they both got COVID. And, like, famously, Natasha is, like, not very nurturing <laughs> to Moshe. Like, she kind of will, like, make fun of him or, like, belittle him whenever he's sick. And he, he like, made this comment recently where he was, like, good to know that whenever we're old and decrepit you're just gonna fucking leave me and like yeah that was kind of real and I was like thinking about that where it's like yeah like it's really nice when like your partner does stuff for you when you're young even if it's something that you don't really need them to do because it shows you that like when you're old like it's not really gonna be like they're not gonna like break out a sweat because you ask them to do a favor for you it's gonna be like yeah like I've always done stuff for you and we do stuff for each other and that is something that, like, you definitely probably need to take into account if you're going to marry some, or if you're going to be with someone a lot older than you, that, like, that's, you're going to take the first turn. <laughs> or, like, you know, maybe they can help you out financially or whatever, but, like, you're going to need to take care of them a little bit. And Pagin is, like, not down for that at all. She doesn't care for, like, his mental health. She doesn't care for his physical health. He falls in the parking lot and no one looks back for him. Like, her parents obviously are mad at him. But, like, she should, she should care that he fell. Like, they're at the vet. The cat is going to be okay. But, like, 70-year-old man on his back in the parking lot, you know. Nobody takes a second glance. Yeah. No, they kind of play up on that, too, a little bit. That, like, he also kind of has this completely different picture of her as a person than what she actually is. Especially with his delusion. Like... For somehow he gets it in his head that like she, she wants to have a baby that she wants to have a baby so he like goes to this fertility clinic to get tests to get tested to see if he actually can at his age of 70 and he like hallucinates an entire conversation with her where she's like uh, like before you realize it's a it's a conversation she's like a completely she's like very happy she's like oh yes honey of course like very under like way more mm-hmm. understanding than she had been in the entire film she's like prior. reasonable and then and then he like zooms out to like the nurse who's just watching him like talk to himself literally it looks like he's talking to himself um that scene is insane because you get it from both perspectives and none, I don't think any of his other delusions you really see from anyone else. The other one that freaked me the fuck out was whenever he's on stage and her mom comes in and starts talking about where they were in the 70s whenever she was born and what they were doing. And she's like, do you remember that we were fucking a lot? And have you ever wondered, like, yeah, why I got pregnant around that time? And it, like... You know, she's like, aren't you? Didn't you realize that you you were a lot alike? Didn't, yeah. Like, didn't that ever cross your mind? And then it's, she like stabs him, and it's like, what the fuck? And then that's wakes up not. Yeah. But 
I, I couldn't tell if that was, like, an actual worry that they, like, maybe him and her did used to hook up. And that's why she's so fucking mad. But maybe she can't really say that because she's still married to whoever's supposed to be Pagin's dad also, or something like that. Or is this just him thinking about that he could be her dad? And with the nature of, like, thinking about fertility and all of that, is it all just kind of mixing together in his head? I think it's supposed to imply, like, towards the end that, like, he's, like, it's, like, even at the beginning when he's, like, you first see that he's having these delusions, he's, like, when he's talking to his therapist, he's talking about how, like, his acting world is bleeding into his real world mm-hmm. and everything's kind of mixing together. And even when he's, like, in the hospital and he's, like, oh, I'm in pain. How was that? Like, he's, ask- yeah. he's asking the nurse, like. If he, like, if, delivered the if, line right. Yeah. <laughs> I think it, it, like that like type of like I think it's supposed to be like a because that's kind of like a Greek tragedy type of thing to really be like oh you're the the, the you were actually she's the like daughter an Oedipal yeah sort like of... an Oedipal sort of like stabbing like sort of like over dramatic thing like he's like mixing all of these like parts from his like acting world into his like real life and things that are going through his head and he's like supposed to he's like rehearsing for his big return to on stage for King Lear and like at the end of King Lear he dies of a broken heart but at, at the uh w- during the opening night for King Lear instead of like the normal version he pulls out a knife and stabs himself and I think it implies that he dies but everybody like but like oh, his, yeah. his manager's like oh, my oh no God. this is what he does he's a genius like, like just he, let him and everyone's like should we call like and he's like no and they just keep on going and they just keep the... going yeah but then he starts bleeding out of his mouth so i'm like uh but he stabs himself like in the chest yeah it's like oh god that made me... and i kept being like is he gonna wake up and then he didn't and the credits started the, rolling the humble yeah i was like what <laughs> so yeah i mean i i i don't know performances are really good it's, uh, um, sleepy pacino sleepy pacino but he's also like funny and interesting i think the maid like you mentioned is the best part whenever because there's like a part she finds one of the vibrators like in the sheets and by the way great scene wherever they're trying to fool around and pacino can't get it up and she just starts jerking off and he's like talking to her the whole time and she's like mm-hmm. <laughs> like and she, <laughs> she's like vibrating on a hitachi wand yeah <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And he just, like, has no idea. So anyways, the maid finds the the vibrator in the sheets, and you think that at some point they're going to be, like, confronted about, like, their relationship or, like, their age difference. Or, like, maybe there's going to be some sort of, like, sexual morality. And then <laughs> there's this great payoff for that, which is that his, his maid <laughs> finds all their sex toys and lays them all out. And she's like, okay your fisting glove needs to be washed in the washer every week you're like these ones need to be boiled in like hot water these ones can be hand washed with a special soap she's like just from a maid's perspective upset with how they've been keeping their sex toys and i thought that was so great that was honestly the best scene in the whole movie like, so funny like, that was like that was better than pretty much anything else in the film but yeah i think like i always like this is like the the like i think i even said this before we started recording that like because these this and manglehorn both came out on the same day at different film festivals and i feel like manglehorn is like the 
the light version and this is the dark version of the both having like similar kind of themes of like around like regret and aging whereas like manglehorn like the theme is kind of like even in your like old age you can still like find the ability to move on and change and grow as a person mm-hmm. and it's like very like it's, it's like it, what if holly hunter has to take a bath with you like think about that <laughs> whereas the humbling is like getting old fucking sucks and like especially if you're like a big especially if you're a creative actor and you lose all your ability and then a fucking young woman comes and ruins your life and then you die (laughs) it's just like (laughs) it's like what is the i just couldn't like think of like what is the meaning of the film like yeah it's like what did we learn here what is what is it trying like it clearly feels like it's wanting to say something but what is it want but what what is it trying to say (laughs) that's like the whole time i was like Okay, a lot of things happen. A lot of like heavy themes are introduced. But they're not really bookended. What are the what's the meaning of it? Like, and it's not really a movie that like cuz some movies like you just like let it wash over and you're like, "Okay, that like the the experience was the meaning." That's not really this either. <laughs> it's like this film is just so like muddled and messy and really doesn't have a point to it. And I get what well, this was a passion project for for al i get why because he like read the he read the novel apparently and really identified with the character of the novel which hard not to see why he would you know it's a big feast he loves he loves stage acting he's uh, he's old now he loves dating younger women (laughs) so he i think he like read it and kind of saw like the character of like simon axtell is like what he could become like in the darkest version of his life or something but like which is interesting for him i'm sure but like when you actually sit down to watch it it's not that interesting (laughs) yeah i mean i definitely it kept my interest and i've thought about it a lot since but it's not like i enjoyed it so mixed review from me because i definitely think some of the cinematography was like really cool like i thought they both like pacino and gerwig really good performances and stuff that like i mean i can see it coming from him but like it's different for her and then like that last fight that they have is like really good i thought where he calls her a baby pony she whips around she's like a baby pony that harkened back to uh some of the like weird lines like in the arguments from Bobby Deerfield. <laughs> yeah, it made me wonder if, like, they improvised any of it. Because the way she whips around and screams it back at him is, like, so incredulous. Yeah. That I'm like, did he just randomly call her a baby pony? <laughs> but it, like, works really well. But, you know, it's just, like, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's such a strange tale and with, like, really no direction to it that, like, while it will stick with you, it doesn't really need to and so i think that like this is definitely one of those movies where i'm like you can leave that to us like we'll just tell you about it like don't watch that. yeah i think i think the problem with this film isn't so much that like i feel like it just kept all of the like quote unquote edgier stuff that it introduced in the film or like i feel like was just done for shock value purpose and wasn't really i think didn't really have a purpose beyond that and i feel like you could tell the same story without like without having 
to listen to the woman like, go into heavy detail about you know it's, yeah. it's it's just like stuff like that and like using trans characters as like garnishes kind of it just i don't know that kind of rubbed me the wrong way it's i mean i feel like there could have been a good movie here that's, yeah you know it's like it's not like a, obviously there's good writing there's yeah. like good performances and stuff it's just like mm. if you need to watch a movie about an old aging pacino trying to come to terms with his life manglehorn is the better option yeah. <laughs> i feel like must you watch a movie from 2014 with pacino in it choose manglehorn <laughs> <laughs> I do think it's, like, interesting that he seems down for these movies that are kind of about different sexualities and stuff. Cool. I mean, he's never shied away from that stuff, even, like, even in yeah. his prime. Like, that we've talked all about. We've talked at length about yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, this one's just fucking weird. I felt, yeah, like, the use of a trans character is just kind of like a pawn to be like, isn't she bad? Which is, you know, cool that they're pointing out that transphobia is bad, but it's also, like, I don't know. It just kind of... Prince isn't really... A, Prince isn't really a fully developed character. He's exactly. just there. That's kind of like... Yeah. He doesn't really have that many lines. He just kind of, like, he lets says, like, four her yell at him about, like, how much it sucked for her they like he had a mastectomy and shit like that and it's like who gives a fuck like also like and like i said i get i get where the contra i get like why they're doing you know like it's both like it like even like it it's supposed to show that she's a hypocrite in like every aspect of her life because even like up to that point when she's like chastising him for like not having a black gardener or being ra- that's racist that you like and then she turns around and is incredibly transphobic to, yeah. like, to her that's but i think that's supposed to like symbolize her hypocrisy but it just it's i don't know it just doesn't work really <laughs> i thought it was interesting that her parents are like well well what about what about this person that you were dating they like use uh his dead name but it's like her parents knew of this person knew that he was really important and then piggy and is like oh well like he transitioned basically and her parents are like okay like and i thought it was interesting like you're dating a man right now yeah Yeah. and it's like everybody (laughs) in the movie is like what the fuck is your problem (laughs) so i i don't know i thought that was cool my little like letterboxd review of it was uh that I thought that there was something really tasty about the synopsis being that she's an amoral woman who takes advantage of people and then it, she turns out to be a turf lesbian. And then I was like, fuck yeah, Pacino, fuck turfs. And then I was like, no, Pacino, not that way. Yeah, your, your, your review is really good for this. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I don't have like a ton more to say about this other than I don't know why they wanted to do it. Like, I cannot imagine why Greta Gerwig would have wanted this. I get why she would, just in the sense of, like, oh, I get to work with Al Pacino. Like, sure. Like, that's probably... But at what cost? Yeah, what cost you're doing this movie. There's probably a reason that she's more of a filmmaker than an actress now at this point. (laughs) Yeah. She's good. I thought she was, like, I mean... Like I said, she's, like... She's not really playing any character that's... She's just playing, like, a shittier version of the type of character that she play, mostly plays. <laughs> yeah. 
Like she's really good at playing um, uh, people who have don't have their shit together. That's like her yeah, thing. like outspoken, messy. Yeah, type which girls. I love, and yeah. I love her in Frances Ha. I love Mistress America. Two great movies that she also co-wrote with Noah Baumbach. I like. I feel like when she has when she has creative control over like over the films, her performances are better. <laughs> <laughs> What are we watching next? Danny Collins? Danny Collins, which is an interesting film. I think Pacino was nominated for Golden Globe for it. Um, the like the synopsis of it is I think he's like a music yeah, he it's inspired by a true story of the folk singer Steve Tilson who uh, in the seventies I guess he had like written a letter to like John Lennon or something like, or like it said something like he like said something in an interview of like about like being inspired by John Lennon and John Lennon like wrote a letter that like he never read in the seventies and ended up retiring. And then he read it like decades later when it was like really complimentary and about like encouraging him and stuff. And this is kind of like, and then he was like trying to rectify like, Oh, what if I had gotten this letter like earlier in my life? And so I guess this film is sort of inspired by that, but I don't know if it's, I mean, I don't know how much of that is reflected in the film itself, but it seems interesting. Yeah. I've heard people call it a weird movie, but uh, <laughs> I think we're in the weird movie stage. Yeah. We're in the names of people uh, as the film title stage of his. There's a lot of those like in this era, like where it's just the name of the film is just the character like phil specter manglehorn danny collins paterno <laughs> god damn <laughs> yeah movies about man movies about men that's what he's he's in a lot of those <laughs> subscribe to our patreon for exclusive perks if you become a pacino pal at the five dollar level you get access to bonus episodes as well as your name read on the air and thank you to alex casey and matt for continuing to help us keep hosting this wonderful podcast thank you pals thank you pals follow us on twitter at pacino underscore pod and me on twitter at static blue bat and callie at callie bud and join us for the next episode where we discuss danny collins